With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Real sports guys. Come on, we're going to dig into it. 
stuff. Yeah, you know we're going to dig into it. Tonight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then we got our man, our resident. I was, t- I was telling G. Wills, Hank is like, we got Hank in the house. Hank is like Radio Raheem from Do the Right Thing. He just gets respect. You know what I mean? Like, people see Hank coming, they just kind of step to the side and let him through. You know, just let him through. Show respect. Pay homage. Let the man come through. So we got Hank in the house. Hank, how you feeling tonight, bro? <laughs> And I feel good, boy. You're going to make this big head get any bigger, boy. I'm going to tell you, I ain't got no hair. You're going to make me grow right through the little bit I got. But I'm glad to be with here, be here with you guys here tonight. And as Donald Trump says, believe me, it's going to be terrific. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you are now in tune to Renegade Radio with the Real Sports Guys. This is the People's Podcast, the big show. Uh, we got a banging show for you all tonight. As always, we're going to get into a lot of football. Uh, we're going to give you an NFL Week 1 recap. Um, we're going to talk about some baseball. Um, we're going to get into to the racial dynamics of baseball. This will be a very interesting conversation. Uh, we're going to hit you off with some NCAA football, and then I'm going to hit you with a cold-blooded last word for the week. Um Fellas, week one of the NFL season is in the books. Um, a lot of action. It was a fun, nice. It's a nice start. Nice yeah. little start to the NFL season. Whet your appetite for some football. Um, we all know, and this drove me nuts, man. I had to say something on Twitter about it. But just like everybody with the hot takes from week one, come on, please, just chill out. Like everybody's really racing, you know, racing with their Twitter fingers to get on the internet and say something provocative about the first week when we all know none of it really matters that much. What we're going to do, though, on our show is try and sift through all the noise and figure out what really does matter from week one and what is is, is fool's goal. So things that happen that, yeah, that's not going to keep happening. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Hank. From week one, what do you think of all the games you that happened and all the action that took place as you observed from afar? What do you? What is something that you saw a team or a trend you saw a couple of teams that you think is going to stick and is going to kind of define this season for either a team or a group of teams? Well, you know, last time we had an opportunity to all be on the mic together, we kind of gave our little bit, little bit of picks on what we thought going to happen. Uh, this was the first week we had a chance to do a little bit of a Hold on, Hank. Hold on, Hank. I want to stop you real quick, man. Somebody's got, like, the stalker breathing going on on the mic right now. <laughs> I'm getting, like, some sort of weird feedback. I'm putting it back on you. The last time we had the clown car, the circus was in town. Now you got twist. What you got? You got that hurricane that's on the East Coast coming through there now in Wisconsin? No. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got like this stalker, like ain't gonna say nothing, call you and don't say nothing, but just breathe on the phone, man. I don't know, like man. Somebody got to get their CPAP together, man. That's come on now, <laughs> two times in a row. I can tell you right now, as Shaggy say, it wasn't me. Hey, I'm. I, it wasn't hey, what, what, me. So D, that's you. Hey, you man, got this stalker breathing going. As I, I was in mid concentration. On it and, and realize I was working on my breathing exercises, my stress relief. I was gonna say, so I was, dog, is you meditating? <laughs> you got your mind hey, going? Yeah. I feel yeah. you. Shout I feel out you. to you. Shout out to my girl Terry Lee. You know, 
Shout out to help me with their breathing. Shout out to Terry Lee. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Now, I, 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 are you done exhaling now? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm just making sure. You know. So, okay. So now, now where was? I had to interrupt you, Hank. That's, a, that, that's okay. Right hey, out, you know I was gonna take shelter in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you. Hey, but anyway, like I said, the eyeball test, okay, what did you see regardless of the of the opponent? What did you see? What what looked like it was going to stick? Game changer, you hit it. Pittsburgh looks real. You know, Pittsburgh looks like a solid, solid football team in week one. And if they can keep Ben Roethlisberger healthy, that team's going to make some noise. I'm not really too enamored about the rest of the teams in that division. The Ravens squeaked out one, but you know, you know, and Harbaugh is a, is 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 a is a well of a coach. I just don't think he's got the talent though this year. If he does, he's young talent. So I see something out of Pittsburgh. I'm not sold on on uh, Cincinnati. I'm definitely not sold on Denver. You know, the other thing that I saw was I saw Cam Newton take a hell of a hit and nothing get called. I guess we can talk about that more at length too, but I mean, we talk about player safety. What was that? But uh, again, I, I I think I'm going to get on the uh, black and gold uh, uh, bandwagon. That that was impressive to me. That was probably the most impressive win I've seen. Everything else looked like the preseason to me. It's, it's still like you said. It's 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 too too early for anybody to get on board. I thought Minnesota looked good too. But you know, Sean Hill is an NFL quarterback. He probably can't carry him the whole season. But if he can get them through, you know, Minnesota get them through uh, the first few weeks until they can get Sam Bradford together, that's that's a story to, to keep an eye on. But but from the first that was but that's for me the first week I was watching how Minnesota was going to come out, how New England was going to come out, and I don't know if the New England game was more about how they looked or just how confused Arizona looked. You know, that's that's another team that just seemed like they stuck in neutral for some reason. You know they they'll get it going, but then it's like there's something about them that just simply don't don't excite you too much. I don't know what exactly that is. I don't know what your what your take on that. Yeah, Arizona. You know, I, I I have them in the mix based upon their pedigree and the talent that they have on their roster. But I, I agree with you. There's just something that just doesn't quite. Give me that, like, yeah, this is a like. I can't put no money on them. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't feel like I can put right. money on Arizona right now. You know, it's just something. I, I I give them props. I think they're a good football team, but as far as being an elite, it's just something that I just. It's just something. If they didn't make the playoffs this year, I would not be surprised. Because they, they were kind of like the team. They 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 they, they kind of like 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 a bland bowl of chili. You know, you're hungry. And it tastes good, but it's missing something. You know, there, there's a spice that just, you know, you like you could eat it, but you couldn't eat it like you would really want to eat it. It just don't taste. Something's missing, and that's the way Arizona is with me. Agreed, agreed. And I feel like they 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 a bad slip in the shower of Carson Palmer away from being a really <laughs> mediocre team. You know, exactly. he takes one bad little ankle turn out the shower. He don't grab that little bar, that railing right, and he falls. And their average team at best. Um, he will. What did you see? What did you see from week one that you think is going to stick? Uh, what teams did you like? 
Well, I mean, and I talked about it and when I talked to y'all about the Steelers and, and what I was looking for, the offense I had a feeling would perform is that defense and those those young players growing up. And so I really like what I saw. We also learned that Belichick is Belichick. You know, um, when you give him time, he's going to be able to come up with a game plan. Uh, he reminds me of my high school coaches where they – on defense – he, he, they're going to take away the top three things you do, and they're going to be disciplined about that. And they're going to force you to, if you can't do three and four, then you're going to be in trouble. And on offense, they're going to do, they, they're going to, they're going to attack your weakness. And, and so it's even hard to kind of figure out Arizona because of the way Belichick coaches, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how they do in game two, um, because Belichick can make with that much preparation, Belichick can make anybody look, Silly. So, uh, Belichick is Belichick. We know that. Um, Seattle um, is Seattle. <laughs> we know that. So there's some people that are um, real. Um, uh, I was really impressed. I was impressed by um, the way in which Denver found their ways to win. I don't know if that can hold on and be sustainable. But you know, obviously they didn't call it any kind of thing like you said earlier uh, for on Cam. They didn't give Cam any kind of love in terms of, you know, being the MVP guy. They didn't give him anything in that game. But that defense was wrecking shop. They continued to do what they were supposed to be doing. So um, some of those elite teams still feel elite. You know, I was really interested in those teams that I felt like needed to take that next level um, or those teams who were, were going to, you know, were, you know, a team like Tampa Bay, are they going to make a move? And Jameis, you know, it's interesting – this is where game share. This is what I love. Remember, when you talked about um, how can you outplay the scouting report? And when I was arguing about the difference between Jameis and Mariota, and people were really getting on him because of the things they're having. James, they have Jameis really play. So he looked. He didn't look good early on last year because he, they were really forcing him to to take on board, similar to how they were doing Andrew Luck. He's taking a lot of responsibility. And, and, and because he was doing that, you can really see a separation in play this year. You know, Jameis is outplaying the scouting report in a way that I don't know if Mariota is going to do in his, in his second year. But I think that's where the separation of the two happens. And to see how he played, uh, really, it really impressed me. Um, and then you got the usual suspects. you got these folks who are all in the middle of these teams who you don't know who their identity is that um, – leave you scratching your head from Buffalo to Cincinnati to whatever, you know, these teams that are kind of in the middle and they can be going down or up, they still haven't solidified. But I would say even Denver and Carolina still look like elite teams. You know, Patriots still look elite because they got a system that's elite. The Steelers still, you know, all this talking is still these teams who are usual suspects look good. Now it's about, and I think they're going to, you know, I think Seattle's real. <laughs> now, the, the, we'll get to, like, what's the fool's goal. There's a couple teams that that are fool's goal in there that I, I feel like are fool's goal. But I, and the other part, team I was impressed with, because they've been in good, and, and I know Hank doesn't like this, since midseason last year, since they changed office of coordinators, interesting to watch is those Lions. I mean, it's going to be car. It's oh, here same, we go. I feel the same way. But, but, but offensively, since they changed that offensive coordinator in the middle of last year, that team looks disciplined. And to see Stafford do what we don't see Cutler do, 
Uh, when those cats can get out of bounds and to see him get on them in ways that you hope a, a lead quarterback would do was was important. And I think where that growth is coming from is not having Megatron. Now you got to step up. You ain't got your security blanket. So it's interesting to see how he plays because they got weapons. And um, and I was impressed with how they play. I don't know if that's going to hold, but I think the loss of Megatron is going to force Stafford to lead in ways he hasn't been able to lead. And, and that, that's been an interesting – again, that's been an interesting – I think that will be an interesting thread throughout this season because there are some quarterbacks who we've been touting as young quarterbacks for so long that we didn't looked up and they didn't got old. <laughs> like some of these guys that started for five or six years, we still calling them young yep. quarterbacks. No, brother, you yep. a vet. You got to yeah, – yeah, the Matt Ryans, the Andy Dalton, um, the Matt Staffords, these guys, they got to start showing and proving that they're ready to step into that – the void that will be left by – you know, the the Breezes and the Bradys and the Peyton Manning having already retired, there need to be some guys stepping into that. Um, Big Ben, I think, is kind of that next guy who has always kind of been right on the edge of that kind of core five best quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the league. Ben has always been in that conversation, kind of rotating between that fifth and that sixth spot. I think Ben jumps up into and solidifies himself as a top five QB. But there's some of these other guys who are supposed to be stepping up, and, and we should we should be seeing some prime play right now. And that's right. It'll be interesting to see how this season develops for the guys like Matt Ryan, Andy Dalton, and Matthew Stafford in particular, who are starting quarterbacks. Who eventually they're gonna they're gonna go the way of Philip Rivers, where you know you was hot for a minute, and everybody was touting you, um, and 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 now yet yeah, he was a good quarterback for a long time, but he never took that step where he had three or four elite years where his team won and he put up numbers. Rivers put up numbers, yep. but rarely was his team winning when he was doing that. Right. And that's where these guys have to get to because Dalton isn't a numbers guy and Ryan isn't a numbers guy. Stafford has been a numbers guy um, to this point. So Dalton and Ryan have been hanging their hat on winning. And if y'all don't start winning something – meaningful like an AFC championship or a Super Bowl championship, then again, their skill sets as far as the numbers go aren't eye popping and you might you might see those teams start to look in a different direction soon. Um some things that I thought that that, that are gonna stick um coming out of the first week. Uh you mentioned Jameis Winston. Um I got to see a good chunk of that game. I think he's going to have one of those years where, like, luck threw 41 touchdowns a couple of years ago in his second second year or whatever. I think you're going to see Jameis have a year like that where he just – you talk about that scouting report, we always talk about staying ahead of the scouting report. He's going to have defensive coordinators ripping up their scout reports. <laughs> like, man, ain't none of this right. <laughs> Who made this? <laughs> this is inaccurate. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna be they're gonna be ripping up those scout reports, um, and I think that Tampa team is a team to watch out when you talk about teams that could uh, could pop up that weren't in the playoffs last year that we could see being in the playoffs this year. I think, unfortunately, I hate seeing brothers lose their jobs, but maybe they did make a smart choice um, keeping the the QB coach who had uh, and as and I you know even though a brother lost his job, I do think it was smart it was smart on the organization's part. It was a uh, calculated risk and a calculated gamble 
They were afraid of losing the continuity, which I think more teams should be concerned about with their young quarterback. Instead of having seven, six, five, four coordinators in the first three or four years of a young quarterback's career, they were like, we're going to bite the bullet. We may be getting rid of a good coach, but we have a good OC who we know is head coach material, and we may lose him, which is then going to reset our process with our franchise quarterback. Let's make this dude head coach, and at least we're going to invest in continuity for our young quarterback. And I think teams don't value that enough. And it was good to see Tampa – it was bittersweet, or rather, it was bittersweet to see Tampa – make a good decision at the expense of a very good head coach, in my opinion, in Lovey Smith, who then, again, turns the program around but then loses the gig, which, you know, people in Chicago are going to be mad because they had it nice with Lovey. And they, yeah. made it, they could feel however they wanted to feel about Cutler. They was winning eight to ten games every year with Lovey. I, Lovey <laughs> that, took the Super, Bowl, the, truth. He's the Super Bowl with Grossman. <laughs> that that was a coaching job exactly. right there. Exactly. And again, Belichick would get credit for that. Ain't nobody gonna give Lovey credit for, credit for getting to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman has not done anything in the NFL since. <laughs> like straight up. Like he has I, I, not I, I, done I swear to you I thought I saw him at Walmart as a greeter. I could be wrong, <laughs> but it looked just like him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he had one of them grand no, opening, grand closing careers. No, see, he like he right. like my man in the Dr. Pepper commercial. You know, I went to the Super Bowl. That's right. Took the Chicago Bears to the Super Bowl. That's Rex Grossman now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But Lovey won't get the credit for being uh, an astute game-managing, game-planning coach in the way that Belichick, if he – Belichick gets – he Belichick wins 11 games with Matt Castle – and everybody's like, oh, man, look at the coaching job he did. Rex Grossman got uh, – Rex Grossman was the quarterback of a Super Bowl team put together, led by Lovey Smith. Come on, man. This guy, you know, <laughs> I, I, I digress. I'm, 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 I'm going to get mad because I just feel like they be, they be firing brothers left and right. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. Like, but in this situation, I understand and it made sense why they did what they did. So I'm not too upset, but Lovey's an excellent coach, and it seems like he's got a, a bad hand. Now maybe he's maybe he's a, not a great person. Maybe he's hard to work with, or whatever you want to call it, because people can be like that. I mean, your boy Harbaugh is a prime example. Chip Kelly's another example where you can be great at football, but you horrible with human beings. <laughs> so, but I did like what I saw out of Jameis. Um, and additionally, some of the teams with some some of these teams that I think are going to kind of hang around. Um, you talked about the Ravens. I think they're a team that's just going to kind of hang around. The Texans are a team that's going to kind of hang around where they don't really have any sort of identity yet, but they're going to kind of keep plugging away, keep plugging away. And I think that those kind of, as you said, D. Wills, they, I think they're in that class of team who we don't know if they're going up or they're going down. And I saw a lot of teams like that where it's like, yeah, I don't – like, you're just going to kind of be in the mix this year, but I don't know if you're actually a player yet. You know, I still need to see a little bit more. Um, but those teams that are that are kind of hanging around in that area, um, you know, it's still yet to be seen whether Osweiler is a legit quarterback. He had a nice game. Um, we'll see. 
We'll see. But I think the Texans are going to be a team that hangs around, and the Ravens, I think, are going to be a team that hangs around. Um, and, again, I think the Ravens are going to win a lot of ugly games. They won 13-7 against Buffalo last week. And Buffalo's not that great. Um, and I think this might be Rex's last stand. I mean, he brought his brother along for the ride, and that was real nice of him. But they're going to get kicked off the train together. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> that's all that's going to happen out there. They're going to get kicked off the train together. Um, but I do. I think the Ravens are the type of team that's just going to show up and beat beat whoever's in front of them. Uh, or they're going to play the type of game. It's going to be a lot of 14 to 10, you know, 16 to 13 type games with them. And they're going to win some and they're going to lose some, but I think they're going to be in the mix. It's going to be ugly football. It's going to be uh, – but I think they'll be in the mix. I think they're going to be a tough team to knock off. I don't know if they're a playoff team yet, but I think, I think they're going to be a tough, tough, hard-nosed team. What was your what was your opinion? I mean, remember I said something about Washington. I just felt like it, it, Cinderella is midnight, glass slipper, the pumpkin's coming back. And I felt like that Steeler game revealed a lot about Washington. I mean, I know they roasted Norman because he wasn't – they didn't flip him or whatever. But I just think there's so many question marks about Washington – and now that RG3 is not there, you can't blame him. It's going to be interesting to see how the coaching staff and all of them handle if they have another bad loss like this um, and what that does for them. Because, Listen, you know, they put they, I got they, a name they for you. Both of y'all RG3. can resonate. I got a name for you. Both of y'all can resonate with this particular name. Scott Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Mitchell. <laughs> yes. That's that. That's what, yes. that's what we're talking about in Washington. That's what, we, that's what we're talking about. Again, that second year, man, you got to stay in front of your scout report, man. You got to stay in front of your scout report. That second year is always harder because they got loads of film on you, and they got film on you being successful, right? They got film on yep. you doing what you do well. And they're going to take all of that away. And if you don't got a counter, uh, a, a counter to your counter, if you haven't – it had that growth. It, it's a hard knock life, man. <laughs> it's a hard and it's knock interesting life. because when you look at a lot of the rankings, they rank their receiving core. But you, you would love this game changer from a fantasy standpoint. That receiving core was good in like 2011, right? <laughs> but but y'all y'all be the right on and you know Jackson and so when you look at it, you like yeah they got the receiving core. But yeah, from a, if you think about from a fantasy point. Yeah, you, you would win with that receiving card in, like, 2011. That's 2016. Like, they're a step too slow. And so, it's just like I don't see the running game, the continuity, and I don't know who their identity is. So, that's going to be one. But the team, I think, is real, but that's young, and because they coach. And I think the way that they won this this week, and he fits their image, you know, Al Davis will be looking down on Jack Del Rio and loving it, was the Raiders. The Raiders. You know, the fact that he went for two – and the message is sent, and I think, you know, a lot of the work that Woodson did while he was there before he retired to kind of really set a culture as well with some of those those those, those veteran leaders, I really like the Raiders. I know we talked a little bit about that, but I, I think they're doing the sound thing. The things they do are sound. Like the things that they are really building are the things that can travel on the road. Um, and Del Rio can coach. I mean, he's never been a place that he can't. People aren't going to say he can't coach. And he knows how to set culture. And 
him taking that chance to go for it in uh, you know against New Orleans, you know I think I think they're staying power there because they're built on a really good foundation. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, to skip around a little bit, mm-hmm. you mentioned Charles Woodson. Um, I mean, obviously there was a commemoration of 9-11 last week on what is being yeah. the opening weekend of the NFL football season. There was a commemoration of uh, 9-11, um, 15 years since the tragedy uh, in New York City. Um, there's so much talk about anthems and people doing things with the anthem and doing what, what, what are we going to do during the anthem? And I got mixed feelings about it. Um, I do. Um, I, I get people are kind of uh, joining in the movement that Kaepernick has started. I'd rather see them follow suit of his other actions rather than a bunch of dudes doing something during the anthem. You know what I mean? Um, because even when Kaepernick was just kind of kneeling during the anthem, I wasn't really big on that as a form of protest. It's his right to do it. I'm not mad that he's doing it. I'm not upset that he's doing it. Um, I think there was a valid conversation to be had about whether or not that was a, uh effective protest um, as far as actually addressing what he wanted to be addressed other than sparking conversation, which, again, I at 35, I'm kind of at a point, I'm tired of hearing people tell me they agree with me that the world is racist. We need to do something about this, though. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm glad you're on board. What are we going to do? You know what I mean? That's where I'm at in life. And so for, you know, Kaepernick to bring it to light, I think that's great. Um, and I feel like that was good. And now more players are starting to kind of do small demonstrations. Where Kaepernick really gained credibility with me is when he started to flip the, the economics of it. And he started to put money behind what, what he was believing in um, and taking the jersey sales and, and donating money. And, and, again, I think there was a, a, an amount of mo- a chunk of money that he had donated prior to getting the money from the, don- from the jersey sales. Um, that was more – that, to me, was more impactful because, it, to me, it all boils down to economics and, and us figuring out how to leverage the economic power that we do have to benefit us um, in a way that's fruitful for our communities, um, and he started to do some of that. So watching, you know, the Seahawks link arms, and you saw people from the Dolphins kneeling. You saw people from the Titans and other teams putting a fist in the air. Um, that's great, but I think we're past that. Um, what were your thoughts on kind of the the whole? Spectacle that has now become the national anthem, and is somebody going to do something during the national anthem? Is now like a thing, and I think that takes away from. What, just what are your thoughts? I, I I didn't say what I said. What are your thoughts, Hank? What are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, we talked in depth about this a while ago, and and you you you're seeing more and more and more, and, and uh, every time there's an event now where the national anthem is played. So there's a, there 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 is a, there is a certain awareness that's being seen. You know the, the 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 hypocrisy that we talked about last week, and I'm going to bring up tonight, is that before Colin Kaepernick decided to do this, they didn't even broadcast the national anthem on TV anymore. 
okay? So all of these so-called patriots would say, oh, he's, he's desecrating our country. They didn't even broadcast that, okay? So now all of a sudden the only reason why they're broadcasting is because of the national attention that Kaepernick brought upon himself and others have decided to follow suit on. But, you know, it's all about the protest. And this is the thing that kind of frustrates the, the people of color is that it's not about the protest. It's the reason why you're protesting. It's the reason why you're locking arms. It's the reason why you're on one knee. We said this before, what about all of that? This could go on all season, and then it's going to be something else. I think that at some point, if all of the individuals that are on the, in the media, that are, that are the entertainers, which are the, 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 um, the athletes, you're absolutely right. They have to do something. You can't just keep doing the protest and then don't nothing come from it. That will eventually get old. And so I think that, you know, the first week of the NFL, we're going to see what goes on. It's sparking com- uh, conversation on both sides. You know, some of it, it makes a lot of sense. Some of it is downright ignorant, Dabo Sweeney. But I think that, um, you know, we have to – I, what I hope happens is that, again, something comes from it, that it just doesn't wear out and get old because all you're seeing right now, it, it, it's already getting old to me, the burning of, of Kaepernick's uh, jersey and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, have a dialogue. Have a dialogue and, 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 and understand, you know, if you're not going to have a dialogue, then we can be doing this every week. And at, at some point, like you said, this is a racist country, and then what else is new? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, and I, I agree with a lot of what you said. D. Will, what are your thoughts on this, the, the, the whole phenomenon of people kind of focused? Because it's crossed over to other sports. You have soccer players doing it. Um, you know, you have high school kids doing it. You, it's crossed over um, into a lot of different arenas. And, again, I don't want it to lose its impactfulness because it's just a thing that people are doing it and people kind of start to ignore it. So, I mean, I I have so much on this. So I, I want to make a couple of points. I, I think um, people lose perspective regarding the developmental process of an someone becoming an activist that they forget. And, and, and what I, and I'm thinking about Colin Kaepernick specifically. Um, in fact, he started this while he was hurt. So he started a couple games before people even recognized he was doing it. So he has always been kind of purposeful, but I think he's evolving in his own activism, particularly don't get it twisted where it's happening. It's happening in the Bay area. That's always been a hotbed for activism and particularly with sports. Um, in its role in activism, and so I think I think people forget that that part of how people come to being in this, and there's still this identity development around these athletes in terms of learning how to use their platform is a process. But he's doing this live in front of all of us, so that's one thing we don't get people. And I always get nervous when you know cats are criticizing Kaepernick and all these other folks in a way that have they've never been exposed in position, particularly these athletes today to even think about their power and even their privilege to be able to leverage their space to do this. Um, and so I think he's learning. Um, you heard people like Doug Glanville talk about um, who I think is brilliant, talk about um, athletes beginning to think about rather than coming out, think about how they talk to their sponsors about supporting them in their position so that people aren't losing sponsorships, but really bringing their sponsors 
into this as part of helping them think about solutions. And so I think this thing is evolving, and I think everybody has a role in this. Where, where I get nervous is that protest is protest for a reason. Everybody likes to regulate how protest. Protest is designed to make you feel uncomfortable. You know, I, it, you know, Marcus, you and I work on, worked on college campuses, and when, you know, they came out with these set of rules of space where you can protest. And I used to laugh at my colleagues in administration. was like, how are you re- regulating how they can protest this protest? There are no rules to it. You know, there is right. no it's a disruption. Way. It's a disruption. It's a disruption. It's supposed so, to be disruption. So, I mean, we, 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 why, are we, why are we trying to tell you how you should do it or not? If he's calling you to react like that, then he was effective. So then it comes to then how do we get to the solutions? And um, I think that's going to come. Um, but I think there's an evolutionary process to this that we have to that we have to respect. And so, you know, and we all have our roles in this process. And so that from that side of it. The second part is, and we all been saying this, is what's the solution? The problem is the solutions are uh, complex and, like you said, game changer related to economics in a lot of different ways. Because, and this is where athletes can begin to understand, is because what are the mechanisms that change the behavior? So, you know, it's more than just law, law enforcement. It's the law enforcement is the outcome of whatever's happening there of a larger systemic society around racism. Like, that's the end product. You know, and so when we have an issue between a young male of color and an officer, that's the end product of a system that has created that. So how do you go upstream on that is where we need to be doing the work. And then where are we positioned? So in this case, you know, who's sitting on the civil boards and who's sitting on the policy-making spaces that actually do it? And I think that's where athletes can have more of an of, of a, a, a opportunity is how they affect policy locally and in the states in which they live. So I think it's going to become much more. What I appreciate about Kaepernick that people don't quite understand, I think he's evolving, is that he's got a really good network. Some of it's built through his the national fraternity that he's part of, of which he's got people who are scholars, who are who are brothers of his, who are who are uh, aiding him and kind of thinking about doing it. And I think he's really been smart about tapping into that resource as well as people like Dr. Edwards probably and other folks who can help him evolve. And I think that could also help do it. And, you know, in response to Dabo, he cracked me up when he was talking about using the MLK um, kind of response and Dr. King and try to, and people always try to juxtapose this kind of positioning uh, and not realizing that Dr. King was gangster about this. You know, when you're talking about a bus boycott, that is an economic strategy. So, you know, what they could do, what could happen is all African-American players in in Power 5 schools in the NFL decide decide not to go on the field for the next five weeks. What would that do economically? That would be similar to a bus boycott. What if if all African-American players in the NFL and the Power 5 conferences decided that they were not going to play for the next five weeks? What would that do economically? Well, people fail to realize when they don't. That's open the their, Dr. King move, right? right? When, you, when they don't open the, the history books, they fail to realize that Dr. King himself was thrown in jail many a times because of protest. Okay, yeah. that the civil rights movement was 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 harsh. You know, you talk about sit-ins, you're talking about boycotts. You know, so you know, even though he made the speeches, people forget that he was the king of protests. You know, yeah. silent protests. You know, that was the whole idea. 
and people got outraged then. The sad thing about it is, you know, Game Changer, you said you're 35. It, it, you know, it's, it's young man, it, it, it's funny that, if, you know, like people like my mom's age and, 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 and maybe some younger, you know, and, and just some of the injustices that they, they, they had to endure. My mom grew up in Tennessee. And, you know, you're talking about protests just to do simple things like vote, just to eat, just to get a ride, just to drink water, just to, you know. And so now we're sitting here saying that this man is desecrating the flag or simply because he will not stand for, you know, what's been systemic racism and things. And just because some has been able to overcome that, that, uh, that there's not a problem, that even the events that happened over the summer should just be forgotten. And all of a sudden, the, the the flag in the country that that you were supposed to defend the foreign and domestic, and all of these different things, and and because that's not the case, and I've got a problem because that's not the case, and people want to sit here and 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 have uh, rose-colored glasses on, and and because I am in a position where I can be seen on my protest, and I'm a Colin Kaepernick. Now you want to call me unpatriotic? Really? Again. The hypocrisy, you know, is, is extremely thick. You know, and you talk about Dabo Sweeney who wants to throw in uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, as, as, as Dee just talked about, about the protest that he did. And I'm talking about it's a sin problem. Well, if he would read his Bible, everybody is sin. That don't make it right. Okay, but if you are doing something unjustified and unjustified, and then you want people because they don't like it, now all of a sudden they're unpatriotic. Uh, Ain't that the pot calling the kettle black? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, you know, and you know, this these things were. I mean, it's funny you said Tennessee because I'm looking this up. You know, the Highlander Folk School was in Tennessee. That's where you know Rosa Parks and folks like that, and uh, Dr. King, like all folks were being trained um, to to how to respond uh, to these movements. And so, you know, it. it I, I'm, I'm so I'm, it cracks me up when some of these cats. Um, become convened about what they want to do to criticize. And it's interesting. They never start the criticism with, I understand the larger issue. And I think that's very important. They just go right into the criticism. So Trent Dilfer, my feeling like with him is that I think he, he goes right into criticism, but he doesn't really talk about how he's going to play a role in the solution, but he can do that. And he doesn't understand his privilege in being able to do that. Right. Same thing with Dabble Sweeney. You know, you're going to, you're going to spend all these uh, 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 Saturdays, in, indoctrinating your spiritual message all the time, and 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 but you're going to say that 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 there's no right for some of this other stuff, and so there's a hypocrisy there, but it, they never talk about how they're going to play a role in the solution, like they never right. figure that out, and they don't think about the fact that you've been in these neighborhoods, going here to recruit these kids, understand the conditions in their environment, and yet you still can say that. Right, exactly. Which which blows me away. Right, and so that's where I sit, and that's what has me where I am with this whole situation. Is you know the Dilfers, the Tony Larusas, you know some of these folks that have come out and said, well, Jerry Jones, um, who in a backhanded way was like, I'm glad none of my players, you know, protested and and you know we we respected the flag or whatever. Folks like that who make millions, who make their livelihood on 
the sweat, blood, and tears that come from black bodies, all right, again, you can critique the protests because I, I, I have critiques of the effectiveness of this brand of protest, but at the same time, I do not allow my critique to then become my excuse not to acknowledge the actual issue, which is a real issue. So, you know, for the Jason Whitlocks, people like this of the world who, you know, are saying that Kaepernick is just, he's just grandstanding, it's just self-promotion, whatever, however you want to put it, my my rebuttal to Jason Whitlock is so what's your platform and what are you doing? Right? You can you can you can point the finger at this man all you want. Tony LaRusso, you can point the finger at this man all you want. Dabo Sweeney, you can say your message can be whatever, but you got a bunch of black kids out there running around on Saturdays. And you finna go and get some more black kids to come run around on Saturdays. Because I guarantee without those black kids, ain't nobody coming to see the Clemson Tigers. <laughs> all right? Mm-hmm. Without the Deshaun Watson. Ain't nobody coming to see the Clemson Tigers. So what are you going to do? And, D, you made up a, a very profound point, and this is where I would love to see this evolve to, is where these athletes, and particularly the guys at the top, the Cam Newtons, the Todd Gurleys, the Adrian Petersons, guys who have endorsement deals, who are recognized. Hell, even the Aaron Rodgers and, and, and folks of the world like that, instead of, I'm going to grab every penny that I can from this company that wants to endorse me. I'm going to make this a real partnership. I'm going to endorse your product, but you're going to support my, 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 my passion, right? And right. that's where we get that economic leverage. I need to see, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm got an endorsement with a bank, a CenturyLink or whoever, I'm going to need you to put some, some real investment into the, in, into the communities where I come from, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we need to see happening is that is athletes and people, people in general, um, leveraging their uh, their their economic power to get businesses not just to use them, right? Because that's just, it, I mean, it's the same thing. It's it's the same form of exploitation as it was on the plantation, you know. Except you're getting a little bit more money than you you're getting money, <laughs> and you wasn't getting money before, but now there's a little bit more in it for you. You know, back then it was maybe you got you got to eat at the master's table or whatever, but now you're getting a million dollars, right? But it's the same deal. Now leverage that and, and get some economic infrastructure. Get these companies that want to profit off of you know the the stress that you're putting on your body as an athlete, as a singer, as an entertainer, or whatever. Leverage those relationships and those make it a partnership instead of I'm working for this company. And so then when I do something that they don't like, they can get rid of me, which a lot of athletes are seeing. Now, you, now some of these athletes that are protesting, you're going to see who's with you and who ain't with you. You know what I mean? Because yeah. um, if they ain't with you, they're going to bounce off that. They're going to they hop off the bandwagon real fast. It's going to be real quick. And, and what the athletes need to do when they get dropped by these folks, they can respond to them as branding them as people who aren't supportive of these kind of things because companies don't like to be branded that way. But when you drop me, we're going to put you in the category of not being supportive of community colors. Like, that's the part they yeah, well, they've been dropped. But they right. can put what them out say, on, do the right in the same way Jay-Z. Down. Yes, <laughs> yep. The way, same way Jay-Z has done to – Yeah, I mean, Jay-Z has caused some products not to – 
not to be not to be bought by folks. All he did is put it in a line, you know. So it, it, you, you can you can as they drop, it doesn't. It's not a one way street. When they drop you, you can be posting, "Hey, here's another company that's not supportive of our community," and have that be the the, the message of people drop. So when people are thinking about dropping you, they think twice about doing it. That's but you don't hear them doing that. That's the other side because there's an economic. Impact to there could be economic impact to dropping somebody. I bet you this. If LeBron and that's, come out and that's the level down, that social media you, creates. LeBron go down on the knees. Nobody dropping LeBron. <laughs> and that's why I said I wish Cap was balling because you wouldn't hear yes. the Dilfers. Oh, he's a backup quarterback. He needs to be quiet. Really, that's gonna be that's gonna be your excuse for not paying attention to him. It's because he's a backup. Yeah. That's a man. <laughs> and I'm sure that I'm sure he would tell you he's a black man. Like that comes yeah. before his standing as a quarterback, Trent. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, I'm a backup quarterback. I'm gonna forget that I exist as a human being in this world. I'm just gonna right. be a backup quarterback. <laughs> you know, right. like, are you for real? That's but really that, what came that, out of your mouth. But that speaks to you know just just the ignorance, okay? Um, that that if you don't know, if it's not happening to you, if it hasn't happened in your community. If you just read about it, then you have no idea. It's no different than people who live in this country, okay, and see on television what goes on in these other countries, in these war-torn countries, and and can label those individuals as savages, if you will, but have no idea what the innocent people in those other countries are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. It's the same thing here in the United States. If you don't know, if it's never happened to you or someone close to you, someone near you, someone who looks like you, then you cannot fully understand. If you have never been pulled over for no reason, you will never fully understand. And a lot of these people who's making these claims, even people of color, either they have either they have uh, blinded themselves or they put it somewhere convenient in their in their psyche. But for a lot of these poor souls, it's just blissful ignorance. They have no idea, okay, because it doesn't happen to them, and they can't relate. And since you can't relate, then it's like what he's doing is a travesty. And then anybody who tries to say we understand, oh, you're part of the problem, and that's the and that and that's the great challenge that 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 has, this country has is that so people can come on and can minimize. What what Kaepernick is doing as a backup quarterback, just trying to make noise. That's how it's done. And, and, and what's even what speaks even more to the hypocrisy of the whole situation is that these same writers, talking heads, you know, three months ago were applauding and fawning over the life of Muhammad Ali. And how he stood up for what he was. These same people, right? Right. Were eulogizing Muhammad same Ali same after people. he passed away, talking about how admirable it was that he stood up for what he believed in. And it's like, but ain't that the same as Cap? You know what I mean? Like, Kaepernick is doing the same thing. Right. You know? Right. And, and it's like, how can you how can you have that come out of both sides of your mouth? You know, if I was on a radio show, I would bring up Ali first. Right, and then have because nobody's gonna tell you nothing bad about Ali. Nobody's gonna say nothing bad about Ali, right? And then ask him. So, like, how can you, in one breath, 
commend Muhammad Ali for standing up for what he believed believed in and taking actions and and, and doing things to to that risk his athletic career in order for in order for what he to to speak to what he believed was equality. And then at the same side of your mouth, you gonna say you wouldn't have Colin Kaepernick on your team. What about this for irony? What about this for irony? Okay, you had some of these same people, you know, that was play, praising, lauding Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was an, is a known was a known Muslim. Changed his name from Cassius Clay. Some of the greatest dignitaries in this country was all over him. Okay, we already know about the tension right now. We talk about about Muslim Americans and all this sort of stuff. But again, it just speaks to the irony of where you want to be. On a particular day, it's almost like Michigan weather. It's, it's going to change in a minute. People change their mind, like some folks change their draws. It drives you nuts. No point intended. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 y'all, y'all gonna, y'all gonna make me pull this. Y'all gonna make me put this Ollie drop down here. Like, if you like to lose your money, be a fool and bet on Sunday. Clay comes out to meet Liston, and Liston starts to retreat. If Liston goes back in his time, he'll end up in the rain side seat. Clay swings with his left. Clay swings with his right. Look at young Cassius carry the fight. Liston keeps backing, but there's not enough room. It's a matter of time. And Clay loves the moon. I don't have a mark on my face, yeah. and I upset Sonny Lister, and I just turned 22 years old. I must be the greatest. Now, I told the world, I talk to God every day. If God's with me, can't nobody be against me, Sonny. I took up the world. I'm not the real God. Cassius, wait a minute, wait a minute, Cassius. I am the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold it. I'm pretty. Hold it, you're not that pretty. I'm a bad man. I took up the world. I took up the world. They were playing that all time, dog. And now we shaking up the world, and they ain't got nothing to say. You right, man. Exactly. They, in three months, folks have flipped. Well, because it wasn't real, right? It wasn't real. Yes. Ali was this mythical, legendary figure railing against oppression from a different time. That oppression yeah. doesn't exist today. But then when you have guys who are pointing out that actually – there's a different brand of oppression that still does exist and plagues people based upon the color of their skin in the United States today. Those same talking heads are like, wait, no, 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 you need to, you can't say that, you can't do that, you can't, that's not, and totally not acknowledging the issue. And and that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's just a, a, a fascinating thing to me, man. That's just a fascinating thing. You know what I mean? And I guarantee if you yeah. went to each one of those talking heads that have said you need to stand up for the national anthem, I bet if you asked them if they would trade places, trade the life with a random black person, they would say, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> they would say, mm, I'm good with no, this. thank you. I like, I like this they life say, right now. <laughs> right, right. But, but and, the, and there's the a part that, of me that can say, I understand. Right, right. Randy Boss looked at Trent Dilfer like he stole something. I mean, you know, it's like, again, and, right. I, we, I, mean, and I love what Charles too. Woodson said. I love what Charles Woodson said, and I like the way he came back at him. I wish somebody on that stay on that on that set would have said, Trent, 
when you wake up in the morning, do you see a backup quarterback? Is that how you look at your? Is that how you define yourself? Is that how you make decisions? <laughs> well, what should a backup quarterback eat this morning? You know what I'm saying? Like, is that how you? Is that how you make decisions? How should a backup quarterback dress? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, no, I'm me. I'm a man. I am a man. I'm a human being. I make decisions based upon that, not on what my profession is, not on the role I play on a football team. Like, come on, man. Like, are you serious? But only in the same sense that I, 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 I disagree with his perspective, his perspective highlights his privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like, he gets yes, to right. see himself as a backup quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, he gets to see himself yes. that way. Because ain't nobody going to pull him over for being a backup quarterback. No. <laughs> you know Even though he probably should have got pulled over a couple of times during his NFL career. Um, yes. You know what I'm saying? But ain't nobody going to pull you over for being a backup quarterback. They're going to pull you over for being black. And that's the thing yeah. that he doesn't understand because he's not black. But Cap that's gets right. Home, you know? They're not pulling Cap over because he ain't holding the clipboard, right? <laughs> you know? They don't care they about might, that. They might pull him over, though, for that main ingredient throw he have, though. Hey, I'm telling you, man. Hey, everybody plays a fool sometimes. Hey, what'd you say? He was, he was sitting over there singing Girl Blue. Hey, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> oh, hey, man. But, you know, but, but for me... I think you hit it back on like uh, I, I cannot, you know, it, it's it's interesting because we want to, and I think this is where I, I struck. I, I think Jason Whitlock is making Whitlock is making some really important points, but if we're only going to reserve it for folks who got PhDs, those cats had to go through a developmental phase to understand that themselves. Like they had to make mistakes. Don't think that someone like uh, Harry Edwards didn't make his share of mistakes in informing his view and understanding of how he's seeing the world and had to go back and forth to develop that. That's always a process. And so if we only going to reserve that for folks who get PhDs in sociology and these other areas, then we're not going to move this because CAP is closer to the streets sometimes than these cats. CAP, CAP has an ability to have an impact on a young person to make a decision more than these cats. And so we have to empower them to make a decision. We got to quit compartmentalizing who can talk and who can't. And what I appreciate what Cap has done is that he knows where his gaps might be, and then he's trying to access people who can help him. That's what we need to encourage folks. And, and, and then we got cats who are willing to step in because they have that relationship with him, either through a fraternal organization or other things to help them. And that should be happening for all of our folks who are thinking about how they want to do their platform. And so how are we offering that other than criticism? Like what tools are you offering to support cats rather than criticizing for, how, for doing something that nobody else has? He, he's paying the ultimate price. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, like you can't be shortchanging them. You know, cat might be out the league in three years, four, two years, one year be, because of this, like mock mood. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, for for his cast to be criticizing in that way, not knowing that he paying the ultimate price, a bigger price he could pay, because people can justify why they might not want to give him a chance for all some other stuff, is why I'm always hesitant about how I'm criticizing. I'm usually criticizing with solutions of how they can do it, but I'm not going to knock you down 
for trying to figure out how to get into the game. Right, right. And so, and and that's where I think we got to move past, man. You know, the, the phrase, I think the old saying goes, you got to either lead, follow, or get out the way. And some of these folks, yeah. man, just need to get out the way. Like, if you're not going to take some steps towards addressing some things, then you just need to slide out of the way. Yeah. So, yeah. And let the folks like us who are in the middle of it, doing it. <laughs> right. Listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG Renegade Radio. My man, D. Wills, is going to lead us into some, some baseball talk. Uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the lead on this one, D. Wills. Well, you know, Hank is going to be real helpful on this one, Whitby, because, you know, you know, he is our lead on, uh, you know, inside the park, you know, inside the park segment. Normally, uh, when you get a chance, check out our one mic with myself and Hank, and uh, and uh, Game Changer was, was on the one mic podcast with us, and normally we do an inside the park uh, segment. Um, but what was, you know, real interesting is that we've had a lot of folks, as I think as Game Changer said, um, have been contributing to the dialogue, whether it's, you know, some of our soccer stars or some other folks who have been involved. But, you know, there's been a sport that's kind of out of the big sports that's kind of been silent in the MLB. And Adam Jones, who was being interviewed, um, talked a little bit about, um, I think uh, Glanville was, I think, the person who um, wrote the article, who's a former baseball player, um, uh, talked about, why there has been some silence within the baseball community. And, you know, one of the things he pointed out is that you don't have the kind of critical mass in baseball. And he talked about and described baseball as being a white sport, not in terms of demographics, but in terms of power and control and dynamics. You know, I think when people said it, it was like, well, baseball is not majority white. We got a growing Latino population. But the culture of baseball, and at some point people have pointed out, still goes back to uh, when baseball was primarily was all white is before the integration. And so when people talk about the traditions of baseball, they're not talking about the Negro league. They talking about Babe Ruth's time when there were no, were no uh, uh, black players uh, playing in baseball and that's the tradition. And so baseball has always been governed that way in ways in which other sports haven't. So, you, you don't see this kind of voice. And part of what he was saying is that even though they got the strongest player union, you know, probably union in the world, um, you don't see the kind of activism in baseball around this issue that you see in other sports. And so that's part of what I want to raise up. You know, I know Hank, you know, spends a lot of time, you know, looking at baseball and you might have, you know, uh, Hank, it'd be nice to maybe have your perspective on this, um, you know, in terms of what is perceived as silence from, you know, the baseball community around these issues? Well, I think that what Adam Jones uh, is saying is more from a upper, I guess if you want to, if you, for lack of a better term, an upper management sort of perspective, okay? Uh, as far as the African-American community in baseball, I think if I read correctly, it's only 8% of, 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 of Major League Baseball players is actually – considered black today. And so yes. while you have a large uh, Latino, Dominican uh, presence in baseball, okay, as far as, you know, baseball itself and its outreach 
to 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 black kids as it once upon a time was is no longer the case. Um, baseball has has pretty much been dead last in regards to change, in regards to trying to, you know, brand itself as a more universal sport versus what the NFL has been doing, even the NBA. Um, I remember as a kid, you can get you a stick and a, and a piece of tape and make a ball <laughs> and everybody play. It's not the case anymore. So when you're talking about a lack of patriotism, you're talking about a very small sample size of players. And then when you're talking about such a large Dominican presence, well, you know, if I'm here from the Dominican Republic to play baseball, am I going to really make waves? I don't think so. So I think that's what he's talking about. I think you you make a, a valid point. Um, you you still have a stodginess in baseball that you don't really have in the other sports. You still have that Hall of Fame and and the sports writers and things that were done 30, 40 years ago. Baseball has been very slow to evolve. Okay, it's still considered unless you're a purist, you know, one of the slowest sports of the major four. And then, you know, you have hockey, which is still considered a niche sport in some areas. But given, you know, the major sports, you know, with a, with a, a population of, of African-American players out there or black players out there, baseball's last. So I'm not surprised that he would say that. And, 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 and I get what he's saying. You know, more of an elitist sort of sport where you do have a lot of, of purists, a lot of historians, that still follow the sports, the old guys with the cigars and the old typewriters club, okay? That's what you have. So you're not going to see a lot of activism like that in baseball. Not to say that some of those players uh, don't feel that way, but their concern, and I've listened to some of the black players, is to try to grow baseball in the inner cities, okay, to get black players, black kids to want to play baseball again. So if you have a low population of, 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 of black players in baseball, then you're not going to have that. Okay, you're absolutely right. We just got through talking at length about the amount of black players that's on Clemson or that's on any NFL team or that's in the NBA, where it's going to have an impact. Baseball, just like it is with everything else, is very slow to come around to that. And, and I would say, I mean, you're right, you point eight percent I think it's down from 20%. At the height, particularly when we were watching in the 70s and 80s, you know, when about probably about 20% of the baseball uh, population was African American. And I think this would speak to Game Changers' point about the power of being strategic in coalition building. Because, you know, a lot of the players that we're talking about, Dominican, this is where we don't, we're not really thinking about the, the broadness of, of the diaspora, particularly the intersection between Latinos. In, in terms of the histories of Caribbean and black. So there's an opportunity for, um, there's a shared history of, around how you do coalition building if you use a different lens around this. And I would probably argue that some of those Latin players have grown up in space that where they probably exhibit some of the similar, uh, some of the similar issues being articulated by, by what is known as the black community. So that's where, you know, that limited scope around coalition building um, needs, to be, needs to be understood. But you're right. I mean, and you're talking about a sport where the fan, the average age is higher than all the other sports. I think one time they're looking at I mean, they were, a lot of their folks were like 
system. It was like you had a much more older population in baseball, right. which creates a different context than you do in some of these other sports where right. um, um, you have – and it's regional, right? So baseball is also a regional game um, in terms of its marketing, which is its strength, is that um, its power is that it, 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 it's able – and that's that's an opportunity, I think, because of this regional. But it's a regional game, and it's a regional sport in terms of how it impacts its its fan base versus football and basketball that are more national or international. And also, what you got to look to is with baseball, okay? Like 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 a perfect example is the riots that took place in Baltimore. All right, uh, after 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 the incident that happened there. Uh, the, the Orioles didn't play because of everything that was going on. But, like, what happened was the Baltimore Orioles in them, themselves, what they did was they embraced the entire community. Okay, so when you embrace the entire community and then you have a low population, I mean, so so Adam Jones being outspoken all by himself, all right, in, 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 in Baltimore. Or can you imagine uh, another player – in another city, when you when when with baseball, what they tried to do because they have so many games, you know they got to keep that community in, involved as much as they can, you know tried to get the community involved to try to squash all of that, and they were very much stayed away from uh, any sort of uh, racial uh, issues at all, all right, and it kind of you know for lack again it kind of went away. All right. All of a sudden, it looked like Baltimore was galvanized, and the Baltimore Oriole organization was smart enough to get involved with that. Not that it changed anything or it changed any rulings in the courts or anything like that, but um, it's just that again, baseball is like around so much that it 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 just doesn't. I don't know if it just lends itself to anything that where, where you you can say something like that. I'm more or less would lean more towards the fact that you just have you just don't have uh the 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 population of, of black players, you know, that's going to get together. It's almost like they're looking out for themselves in in an elitist sort of sport versus what we see in the other sports to to protest that way. We'll keep an eye on this. You listen to the real sports guys, realsportsguys.com. You know, check us out on iTunes, uh, search for Real Sports Guys, subscribe, uh, give us some feedback. We love this podcast. You listen to the big show. Um, when we come back, Game Changers going to reenter, and we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to do bookends. We're going to talk about the NFL and the fool's goal. You heard the stuff that we talked about in terms of the teams that we thought were really on it. But what we did get back to is who's fool's goal, and Game Changers going to take us in that conversation after we come back from this uh, musical break.
Welcome back to the Real Sports Guys. RealSportsGuys.com, RSG Renegade Radio, the People's Podcast. You are now in tune with the big show. Mark's a game changer back. We're going to talk NFL football. Who's goal from week one? All right, which teams in week one were totally uh, fooling us, right? They had they had the they had the mask on, you know. They look like they're gonna be in it for the long haul, but they're not. They're not. Some fan bases are gonna be mad about this, but it is what it is. All right, um, Hank, hit us off with your fool's gold team from week one. Who look good, but really ain't that good. Okay, I'm going to hit you with the first one. I'm going to hit you with the defending champs, the Denver Broncos, okay? Thursday night game, start the season, uh, wins uh, a one-point game against Carolina, knocks Cam Newton block off. I'm not buying that car. That car is a limit. I'm here to tell you right now, I don't see that going throughout the entire season. I'm not sold on, on, on Trevor Simeon. I'm not sold on, on uh, Paxton Lynch or, or anybody else on that team. I think that uh, that the Denver fans are excited about that. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. No, sir. Another team that you are just bound and determined game changing to keep saying is going to do some things, I'm going to tell you once if i got to tell you a million times. And every time I come on this show, I'm going to tell you again. The Detroit Lions is not just full gold. They're aluminum. They're paper. You hear me? They're dust. This team could probably be 2-0 after this season. They start this, this week. They got the Titans at home. No doubt that the that the um, that Ford Field is going to be rocking and rolling. People are going to get on, 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 on here, and I'm telling you, all right, they're going to probably score a ton of points. I remember uh, Matt Stafford throwing for 5,000 yards a few, uh, couple of years ago, okay? Didn't make the playoffs, okay? And I'll tell you something else. Jim Caldwell, don't want to call for anybody else's job, but that's a grandfather that's asleep at the wheel. Go ride that car right into a ditch, okay? This young man, I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I don't know. I, I swear he's got Alzheimer's. Send him to the store. He on the he on the east side of town somewhere. I don't understand some of his in game calls. Don't understand them at all. How can your receivers not know what time it is in the game and they're trying to go up the field? I'm talking about veteran receivers, Eric Ebron, the other receiver. All right, I'm watching the end of that game. Twelve seconds left. Let's run another play. Who does that? Who does that? This is fool's goal. I'm trying to save you. Young man, I don't want you to be humiliated. You got a good head on your shoulders. I know you said some you said some outlandish things, but now if I'm not doing you any justice if I let you go out here and say that the Lions, the Detroit Lions, the 1957 champions, the Detroit Lions, is going to do something. Now you stop it, and that's an order. Now, now Hank, this is D. <laughs> Hank, this is D. I'm not going to let you talk about Jim Caldwell for Beloit, Wisconsin. My, my beloved place. I'm not gonna let you uh, disparage my 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 guy over there uh, like that. This uh, ain't got nothing to do with Wisconsin. But I understand your pain. This, this, man, understand this, your pain. this man got to stand on his own merits, okay? Every time they look at him on TV, look like they just woke him up. Jim, the camera's on you. What? <laughs> Wait, what's the fact? Oh man. You better he, look he, at he you. Better, the, you, you better do that. He, hey, as Dabo would say, tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> he, he, 
There are times when he got that Woodrow look. I can give him that. There's times when he got that Woodrow and Skillet look, but he's a smart guy. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he can turn guy, around. But I, I think he's been victimized by what's going on over there in the Motown City. It wouldn't be the first person, Mariucci. Wait, mean, wait, wait. This stuff that happens. This stuff that happens over there in Detroit that turns good coaches into craziness. So I can I can understand that. I've been watching it all my life. I can't figure it out. I can't figure out. It's the only team that can't get out of its own way in Detroit. So I, I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm hopeful. That's all I was saying. And I'm trying to help game changer out. But I, you know, I lived it. I know what you're talking about. You know, people ask why I'm a Steelers fan for all the stuff you just saying. The Lions have given you no reason to root for them. No, don't go down you that You think road about the stars they've had in that organization, and they haven't won. And you look at the number of playoff games they won. When you talk about Billy Sims, you talk about Barry Sanders, Megatron, Herman Moore. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, you, you know, on guys they had on defense. I mean, these are Hall of Fame caliber cats that they've had there, and they haven't won in all that time. Having one, I'm with you, man. I, I understand, but I, there's something I feel about them. Kind of like the Cubbies. <laughs> I, ain't, okay. I ain't drinking that water. <laughs> Don't talk to you about no Cubs. <laughs> they drinking it hard up here, man. I'm, I'm a South Sider. I'm, like, I'm a South Sider. Like I think we got. I think we got another thirty for thirty going on right here. Yeah, I think we got another thirty for thirty. I was telling Mo Red that, you know, one of our uh, sometime contributors said. I think we got another 30 for 30 setting up here. You know, this is – y'all fall on this one. It's going to be a hard fall for Cub fans, but we'll leave that one alone. My 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 fool's gold, it should be obvious that it's fool's gold, but I hear some people talking like maybe he's doing something. It's the 49ers. Oh, Chip the Rams are stuck. You know, and so, <laughs> I mean, so you can't – People were like, I mean, I know the, the 49ers defense looks some kind of way, but uh, – and, yeah, I, I expected the Rams defense to play better than it did because they do have a great defense and they shouldn't have been carved up like that. But, I don't know, the 49ers is the 49ers until, uh, until proven otherwise. So that's, that's one that's, that's clear, that one. The, the other one is, is – I, I have two, but I'm going to go with this one. Um, and I'm a fan, is New Orleans. I mean, the way they lost to the Raiders, you know, everybody's feeling like, you know, they, they were going to right the ship. You know, people are big Breeze fans. I am too, man, but. That ship is sailed, you know, dude. That ship is sailed. And then my other one is Cincinnati. I just think the expiration, the milk is sour. The milk is sour over there. And, you know, although people are hopeful, um, and Marvin Lewis, but I just don't think they got it. I think they're going to do the same thing they always do, and they're going to have an early exit and not make the playoffs. I just – we're going to learn a lot this weekend, but I ain't buying I, Cincinnati. I'm surprised Marvin Lewis kept his job after that debacle last year in the playoffs. You know, that, that says a lot about Cincinnati, that, 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 that front office. Because um, that that team lost control in the game they should have won. The fact that he's got another year, I, I'm with you. I don't I don't see I don't even I don't see them making the playoffs this year. I just I just think there's some sort of internal uh, control problems with that team. Yeah. And, and have they hired a GM yet? 
I mean, Cincinnati, was Cincinnati for a long time the only team that didn't have a GM? Yeah. And they had terrible practice facilities. Have they hired a GM yet? I don't even know. I don't know. I know Paul That's probably Brown's why they keep them. They, yeah, they, 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 it's money, man. They'd they rather hold on. He keeps them – he, he does enough to keep the stadium full. That's kind of how I look at it. Every day I'm hu- – everybody's got to have a hustle, man. Everybody's got to have a hustle. <laughs> you can't knock that man hustle. He's got to save a buck. Save okay. a buck to make he a is, buck. He is he is the black Jeff Fisher with a little bit more winning. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end He just win a little Lewis, bit more than man. Jeff. Jeff Fisher been coaching for 30-some years and in one had like five winning seasons, man. <laughs> And they'll rank but he him keep over a job. Smith. And they'll you rank know, him Jeff over Lovey Smith. You know, Jeff is the Mike Dunleavy. He's the Mike yes. Dunleavy of, of football. Dunleavy in basketball. Yes. Mike Dunleavy in basketball. He didn't coach everywhere. Ain't never been good. Wherever he been, he's been horrible. Terrible winning percentage and coaching the NBA for like 15, 16 years. That's Jeff Fisher. He had that one good year that's when he tied to the Super Bowl. And that's it. That's all he had done. And when they rank. And when they rank him, they rank him over Lovey Smith. I'm like, which is crazy, right? Lovey ain't got a job, but Jeff Fisher, he must got pictures of somebody. <laughs> he got pictures of somebody in the front office. They just gave him an extension. He gets shut out, and they gave him an extension. I want, I want, I want that. <laughs> I want. That. Can I have some That's of that? Why mad at, That's why I'm not bad at Caldwell and Lewis. I mean, to me, that's advancement. When you can be in a Jeff Fisher profile and be black, then we advancing. <laughs> That's advancement. Give me the mediocre black quarterback who still get a job. Now we really work. You know, I just – that's the part that I'm looking at. But that's why I'm getting too mad at Marv. I'm like, run your hustle, baby, as long as you can. Because should, you, should yeah. you should keep a job as long as Jeff Fisher got a job. As long as but Jeff Fisher got a job, right. line, we, we need to mandate that. We need to mandate that. We need to make a mandate. They can't – can't no brothers get fired until Jeff Fisher get fired. <laughs> you can't fire no brothers until Jeff, Jeff Fisher, Fisher ain't been fired. Look at what he's saying about Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher uh, the, the, the coach for three – in three different cities. That's why he keep his job, all right, because before the fans can get tired of him, they just move. You know yeah, he, he got the transition. <laughs> nobody, nobody helps you do a transition to a new city like Jeff Fisher. Like Jeff Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yes, you too can see the porn mustache on your sideline coming near you anytime soon. <laughs> Jeff Fisher look like the dude that when you go to Ace and you need to get a key made. <laughs> you look like the dude that they go get. You know, they like they like go get him out of aisle three. <laughs> you know, he be over by the nails. <laughs> and they're like, Jeff, come over, he need a key made. <laughs> and then he come over, you know, he look at your key, study it, you know what I mean? What kind of key is this? What's this for? Ask me all types of questions. I don't know, you the key maker, man. You tell me what type of key it is. Yeah, it's I know the guy you're talking about. Just copy it. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, the one that got on the tool apron, but ain't got no tools in it. Yeah, that's definitely. He's the key clerk at your local Ace. If <laughs> you hope he don't make an extra copy, you sleep with one eye open for like three nights to make sure he ain't hey. made an extra copy for himself. <laughs> so right, he, doing his little try to come magic tricks, sliding the key down his sleeve type stuff. You know, 
man. <laughs> so my team that I got for Fool's Gold, I got the Philadelphia Eagles. Everybody's loving them some Carson Wentz. Man, it's going to get real in a minute for that little dude. I He had a nice little start, nice little game. Again, you can catch people off guard the first time you play them. They haven't seen you play before. They don't know who you got or what, you, what you're going to run with him. You know, the Eagles do have somewhat of a soft schedule to start the season. They, got, they, they played the Browns this week. They got the Bears next week. Then it's going to get real when they go against the Steelers. And I think that'll be a good time when we can really measure what Carson Wentz is about. But until that point, I'm not putting no stock in what he did against the Browns, and I'm not putting a ton of stock in what you do against the Chicago Bears. Because neither of those teams I expect to be anywhere at the end. Um, And speaking of the Browns, I think RG3 is just doomed. Man, he got some bad karma, man. He he, he got some bad mojo. There's something wrong with that dude. You know, somebody yeah. buried his drawers in the, in the lawn or something, man. And somebody put a root on him. <laughs> Tell you, you got with a curse. That monkey he when he left Waco, Texas. That's what happened to him. I'm telling you, somebody <laughs> got him. Somebody got him. Somebody put a root on that boy. He can't get right. He can't stay healthy. He can't get right. Hey. hey. Put a root on him, bro. Uh, hands off on RG3. I ain't touching him. I ain't checking. No, it ain't gonna work out. Yeah, he got. Yeah, he got. Somebody put something on him, man. I'm just like, not that so bad for him. I was like, man, he couldn't even get out of the way that hit. It snuck no, up on him. No, I mean, him. it was I'm like, saying. it was like, just hit me. You could slide. You could do Gwar Browns. No, I'm gonna get nailed. <laughs> I mean, the RG3 era in Cleveland lasted ten minutes. I mean, how? <laughs> It lasted I mean, 10 it, minutes. And you know in his mind, he was like, get down. Get down. And he just, you know how it is when you like to tell yourself to, and you just, it's like when you're in the, you in, the, in the Midwest walking, and you just know you're going to fall. You can see it, and you're trying to adjust, but then before you know it, your feet are up in the air. That's how it was. He could see it, and you he know, could not get down. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? There is something to that to that to that uh, hex thing because when he got hurt in Washington, he didn't get hit. Okay, he was just dropping back and doing some stuff, and next thing you know, he blew out his knee. You know, so I, I, he, he's he, he's absolutely snake bit. So I'm I'm telling you right now, you're right. Somebody scratched him with a with 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 a with a cock's claw or something before he left Waco. <laughs> he better tell call Miss Rudolph. Tell you. Somebody got him with his chicken. Got, got a little chicken foot. Yeah. Got a little chicken foot over his head when he was asleep. Did some whammy bammy, said some stuff over him, man. Well, like I said, that boy, he got a bad glow around him. He got a bad glow around him. The thing about it, though, the thing about RG3, though, is, you know, Cleveland got a championship. They don't even care no more. <laughs> uh, no, they don't. Yeah, Cleveland don't even care no more, man. It's like, ah, the football season's over. Yeah, they, got they, the dog pound, they, they don't even wear their mask anymore. You know, they don't, say, we don't care. <laughs> they don't even look like regular we got, we people now. We got one for the land. We got one for oh, the yeah, land. You know, they land. coming to the Browns games in LeBron jerseys. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we going to ride. You know, they don't even know year. what they're coming to watch. They're like, LeBron ain't playing? What you mean LeBron ain't? LeBron ain't out there? 
he don't play for your team. Oh man, I thought I was coming to watch the Cavs, man. <laughs> they don't even care no more, man. They don't even care. They ain't heartbroken. They ain't even worried about it, man. They got the MM. They got the UFC world champion in heavyweight, and they got LeBron. They good. <laughs> right, right. They good. They don't care about no Manziel. They don't care about no RG three. They got their ring. <laughs> they got their ring. <laughs> so, fellas, before we close this out, we we got to talk college football. Looking at the top ten in the NCAA, um, we want to do a little prognostication, a little predictions about this top ten. Uh, looking at the top ten teams. In the coaches' poll, which teams do you think are going to slide out? Which teams do you think are going to stay? So, looking at the coaches' poll, we got Louisville at 10. We got Washington at 9. Michigan State at 8. Houston at 7. Stanford at 6. Michigan at 5. Ohio State at 4. Clemson at 3. Florida State at 2. And Alabama at 1. Of those 10 teams, by next week, by this time next week, who's going to still be in the mix and who's going to be out and who's replacing them? I'll start with you, D. Wills. Mm. Um, I would I would probably guess, unless they can prove it, uh, Washington at some point is going to be bounced. When you look at this, I, mean, I, think, I think they're on their arrows on the way up. But if you look at, um, you know, who they're playing, um, uh, it, it won't be this because they got Portland State, but they're going to be coming up. They got Arizona coming up. They got to play Stanford. They got to play Oregon. I mean, uh, my, my, my sense is that they'll win some of those games, but they'll drop out of the top ten. I think Washington has the, the chance here that, that they will drop out. Okay, okay. Um, so you like Washington to drop out? Yeah, I think yeah. I think eventually they'll creep back up in there because I think the Pac-12, Oregon is not Oregon, um, USC is is not USC. We saw that, um, and the Pac-12 is looking for they're looking for a big dog. Stanford is solid. David Shaw is obviously going to have them ready to play some good football, but there needs to be another team, and I think Washington might be that second team. I think they'll hover around that nine ten spot, but I don't see them getting up much higher than that unless they get hot. They're gonna to have to win some 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 crucial games down the stretch to to stay in the top ten. But I could see Washington going either way. I'm not mad at that. Um, do you yeah. have a team that you think is gonna replace Washington? I, you know, and I think it's between Washington and Wisconsin. I, I think Wisconsin's got to play at Michigan. They got to play at Michigan State and Ohio State, so they got to run. So I think when you're looking at that, Wisconsin, Michigan State. Group one, you know, Michigan State will gain some steam. I think Michigan State will jump up in there, um, and um, you got Iowa sitting there. Um, Texas is interesting, you know. I think Texas, if Texas, Texas probably has the biggest thing. If I looked at it, I'd have to settle down. I think Texas might be. It's because, um, you know, I think they're getting momentum when I look at, uh, you know, their schedule. Uh, coming out here, you know, they got Cal coming here. They got Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Like, they can do a little run there. Uh, Texas might be one that can go in there. But I think Michigan State is probably one that will replace. Mm. 
So in your t- in the top ten right now, right? How are you feeling? Like who who's locked in? Like like we I think that who's your top? Give me your top three teams right now. My, you know, top the top 10, three teams. Who do you think is the top yeah. three? Like when it's all said and done, as of, from what you've seen, these three teams are going to be left. Uh, you know, I think I think the Alabama, uh, Florida, the Florida State one is interesting because got you got Clemson there. I think you know I think Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan are locks in that space right there with with Florida State depending on the Clemson thing might be here but I think that when you look at the top you know the top five teams are going to be playing chess and moving around but I think they're locked in there because I think they're going to win when, and, and and you can add Houston in I think where it's going to be interesting is the Stanford Washington like that from that six from that I would say even from that seven to about you know uh, 14 or 15 you know, even 16. I mean, you got Texas A&M's got the, that 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 back end could be changing. You could have Notre Dame creep right back up in there. You know, you're going down as low as that. You have Ole Miss sweeping back up in there. So some of those teams that are out of it could they could sneak back into the top ten. But I think those top four or five teams are locked. But they might change positions around over the course of the next six to seven weeks. But I think they're locked because of the games they have coming up. Ohio State wins this week. Over Oklahoma, they are locked, and then you you start seeing those matchups with Wisconsin. I mean that LSU game is set up those teams to to really solidify themselves. So I think the top four teams are locked. Okay, all right, Hank, your assessment of the top ten: who should be out, who should be in, and what are your top three? Well, listen, when you look at the top ten, you, you look at Louisville; they're at ten. And they got a tough road to hold. They start this week with Florida State, okay. And while they got Florida State there, I just Florida State's a very talented team. I don't think Louisville can stop him, even though Louisville's quarterback. He's you got to keep an eye on him for the Heisman. That that kid is bad. Mm-hmm. But they got they got Houston, and they got uh, Florida State this week. That's just that's tough. I don't I don't think they're gonna come out of both of those unscathed. So I think they're right, going to and drop. they still play Clemson too. And they still yeah, play Clemson. Could be in trouble. Yeah, oh, so that's just, yeah. So that, but see, Clemson, they're doing. You know, before last year, you know, Dabo Swinney got mad because they would say they would be Clemsoning it, which meant that <laughs> they would play down to the level of their competition. And I'm starting mm-hmm. to see a little bit of that this year. Okay, they might be fool. They might be fools. Go really, uh, uh, this year because they they're not really playing good football like they were last year. I think that uh, they might be exposed a little bit. As far as teams that I think that might sneak into the top ten, it's going to be hard to keep Wisconsin out. Okay, I think Wisconsin uh, wins this week, and I think they're going to beat Michigan State. I think that Wisconsin – I think Wisconsin's schedule, you're going to keep them hovered hovered around um, the top ten because they're going to have to play against some tough competition. I think they're going to go one and one. When they when they come to Michigan, I think they beat State, but I think they get beat by Michigan. But then you're going to have that showdown against Ohio State. But uh, Iowa is another one of those teams, you know that that uh, that I think is going to find their way in the top ten at some point until they get to start playing some teams. They're, I think they they're going to be scheduled to to win, win out uh, to that. And then Tennessee, 
is another team I think is going to find their way in. Because Tennessee, I don't think, is going to lose anybody for a minute. And I think that, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of found their footing last week. Yeah, I'm with you. I like I like Tennessee. Um, that was a team that I had sliding up into the top ten, I think. Um, and I'm with you on Michigan State. That was actually a team that I targeted to drop back just because I think, you know, when you look at that top ten, I do think Wisconsin and Iowa are probably better teams than Michigan State. I think they will finish 1-2 on their side of the Big Ten. And -hmm. I think Michigan and Ohio State will finish 1-2 on their side of the Big Ten. And then I think that leaves Michigan as a third-place team, basically the fifth-place team in the Big Ten. And I just really don't see them being able to hold on to that top ten spot as a fifth-place team. In a good conference, no doubt, a good conference. But fifth place, I don't don't see the Big Ten being strong enough to have five teams in in the top ten. I think three – for sure, maybe a fourth, depending upon, you know, how some games go. Like you said, that Michigan trip for Wisconsin, uh, do they split um, up there? If they go 0-2, then that's going to hurt them and help Michigan State. If they split, then that's going to help them pull Michigan State out. Um, I think you'll see scenarios like that playing out. Um, and then Tennessee, I like a lot to, to jump up. I think they're gaining momentum again, um, kind of getting their bearings about themselves. Had a big game last week and showed pretty well. Um, and then you got Texas, who I also think, um, as far as I'm concerned, I think they're kind of front runner in that Big 12. Um, I think they'll go. I, I, I think they'll go into the Red River Shootout undefeated, um, and I think that'll be a big week for them to see if they can really solidify themselves as a top 10 team. Who are your top three, Hank? Well, I think you can't you can't move Alabama out. Alabama is is, is just whipping everybody's tail, and then you know Florida State right now is the toast of the ACC, okay? Mm-hmm. And then, to me, you got a two-headed monster, okay, Ohio State and Michigan. I don't see neither one of them teams losing until they get to each other. Um, and so uh, the the jury is out for me. I, I, I watched both of these teams, and I think that the eyeball test is is, is there for both of them. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm taking Michigan right now. I just think that experience – means a lot, and I think that, that Michigan has got more experience than Ohio State right now, and I think that's going to be a, both teams being well coached. I think that has something to do in a long, grueling season. Yeah, it, and I got my top three right now. I got Alabama. I got Michigan. And then I got Florida State as my third team. I think Michigan is going to keep rising. I think they're a tough team. I think they're going to be tough to beat. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see two ACC teams. I think the Big Ten may be able to squeeze two teams in with Ohio State, and Michigan. Obviously, they're going to play each other at some point before they get to the uh, to the Big Ten championship. But you know, both of those teams, I think, could run could could run the table until they see each other. Um, Here's what I know I my think. Badgers are going to see what they can do. Yeah. I, I, I do believe that, that, that if you have a very close Michigan-Ohio State game at the end of the year and one of them loses and it's, and it's within a touchdown, I think that after the Big Ten championship that one of, that you could possibly get two Big Ten teams in the playoffs. I think both of those teams are going to be that impressive. It's going to be hard to keep them out. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. So we'll see how this pans out. We'll revisit our top tens as we get back. As we come back in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to close this show out. 
uh, I got the duties of, of presenting you all with the last word this week. So we're going to go ahead and get into that. Let me cue up some sound as we ride out. I, I need some background music for this one You know There's been a lot of talk um, About national anthem protests And we've talked about this today And I wanted to close this last word Kind of giving my final perspective on Just the concept of the protest um, A protest is supposed to make you uncomfortable A protest is supposed to bring to light Something that may be uh, existing in shadows Um a protest is also, though, supposed to create leverage, right? It has to create a leverage point. You protest to create a leverage point to get you, get what you desire. Um, and that's always been my critique of, of the national anthem protest. Um, I think the thing that people have to understand about the national anthem protest is that it's a peaceful protest. It is a passive protest. And that is just one form of protesting. Those that are opposed to it, I think, should question what would be an appropriate protest or if they're just against protesting at all. I think that's a challenge that we have to ask ourselves. That's a question you have to ask ourselves, challenge ourselves to think about. Is, is it the fact that they're protesting or is it the fact that they are interrupting our escape and bringing reality into our escape? And the thing that I would hope that people would understand is that yes, they wear jerseys, they wear team colors, they wear helmets, they wear shoes, they wear sponsors, but these are people. And these people have an experience, and their experience is real. And as long as that experience exists, that realness will come out in who they are. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful and glad that athletes have a platform to bring that realness to the masses in a way that uh, can't be ignored. So I, I applaud all the athletes for their anthem protests, and I encourage them to continue to, to, to stay active and take the next steps towards seeing some of those uh, ills that they are, are, are protesting addressed um, in a way that is fruitful for their communities. Thank you for listening to Real Sports Guys. Make sure you download the podcast and subscribe on iTunes, realsportsguys.com. We'll see you next week. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.